0: welcome back for another episode of clean tech talk where we at clean technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world with topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com special edition of clean tech talk I am Scott Cooney founder of clean Technica and I'm sitting with Alf Poor, CEO of Ideanomics here at NASDAQ, on a very special day for you guys. Uh, You guys had a a big announcement and the uh, unveiling of three beautiful electric motorcycles on Broadway here in New York City. Watched a handful of your folks riding these bikes around and they're stunningly beautiful, very quiet, and drew a lot of attention from the folks here on, on this main drag here in New York City. Very cool to see, so thank you for joining us again. I know you've been on this podcast a number of times before, but this is a big uh, big announcement for you guys and obviously a huge step forward for your company. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. I wanted to start off with a little bit today talking about uh, the news of the day. Obviously adding Energica as a fully owned uh, entity to the Ideonomics portfolio expands a lot of what you do. and. Obviously, what it means for ideonomics going forward is something that I think people might have some questions uh, with regard to. You're in ag tech, you're in mobility, you're in financial services, consulting. Tell me a little bit about the, what you've done here today and the, the um, addition of Energica to your uh, portfolio of, of companies. Yep. So, thanks. It's a really
1: great question. Energica Energi makes exceptional high-performance motorbikes. You know, they're a thoroughbred Italian brand. They're out of Moto Valley. So their neighbors are Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini, Ducati. So we have a, a motorbike series of motorbikes that they've produced that are every bit as um, compelling as those other brands that we all know and love out of Italy. But the reason for us to be interested in that is, is not for a high-performance motorbike. The interest that Idenomics had in an educa from the beginning was its technology. And one of the interesting things about electric vehicles is this is a different world than than internal combustion engines. It is possible to take technologies from motorbikes and use them in other areas of our business, be it ag tech, be it uh, um, commercial vehicles of of other kinds. And so there's a commonality within EV. And there was just a tremendous amount of uh, of IP technology uh, and expertise within Energica that we knew we could leverage across the group.
0: Terrific. Uh, obviously, Italy's Motor Valley, high performance, everything. Uh, Livia, the CEO of Energica, today referred to a little bit of the tip of the iceberg yep. being the Energica motorcycle itself. And I thought that was a great analogy. And it really touches on this idea that there's a lot more underneath the service of, of this acquisition that can help you know, a lot of the other brands and then also turn into a high-growth model for Ideonomics. What excites you the most? What's, what's probably the, the biggest thing you'd want to point uh, an interested investor or an inter- interested stakeholder of some kind towards with regard to this Energica inside you guys are talking about? Yeah. Um,
1: Energica's technology is very, very valuable to the mobility industry at this point. Um, they have mature, high-performance, uh, low-weight product, that can be translated to non-competing markets. So if you want to look at um, construction, marine, aviation, ATVs and off-roaders that are not two-wheelers, we've been in some very interesting discussions with the types of companies that produce those vehicles. um, And they were coming to Ideonomics not with an educator in mind, but because we own US Hybrid, because we, you know, we're we're looking to um, finalize the acquisition with Via motors. So the breadth of technology that we have, the charging systems and other things that we have, gets us into a lot of conversations laterally across the mobility industry. From new to market to incumbent OEMs, everybody's looking for technology and solutions. So in many cases, Ideonomics has a lot more respect within the industry than it does if you look from the outside. Okay, because we do have a lot of subject matter expertise and a lot of world-leading engineers. So a lot of these companies were coming to us, and more and more of our suggestion back to these companies when they were looking for technology to put within their products is, we'd like to introduce you to Enerjica. Because Enerjica, more than any of the other companies that we have, has built everything from the ground up internally. It's used a couple of partners um, in Italy to do it. But this company owns all of its own tech from start to finish. That's very unique in automotive in general. They had to do that because they were first to market. There was nobody else's technology to leverage. And so what we now have within the, um, the Energica kind of product suite is a number of scalable components from product like uh, motors, battery management systems, drive controllers through to software and telematics that can be leveraged by other people. And it is such high-quality, well-developed tech that we almost feel obliged to take it out to the industry. Because if you are a company that is trying to make a positive change, right, you have some level of obligation to help your your product, if it is the best in the market, help others as well. And that's really what an Insights insights about.
0: Makes total sense. And I, I think you, you referred to it uh, in kind of the, uh, a comparison to Tesla on some level that... You know they've they've been pure electric for so long for twelve years now in and a big market leader in that space before anybody was really interested in you know two wheel electri- electrification. Now it's on everybody's mind, and having a twelve year head start on a lot of the competitors that are just now entering the market obviously presents a lot of opportunities. Yes, Ideanomics uh, is a is a difficult company to explain to a lot of people. When I when I was telling people about uh, coming here to meet with you guys and. Uh, See this presentation, uh, the question, what is ideonomics and how does it, what does it do? Is a fascinating one. It makes a lot of sense now that you guys have listened to the market for multiple years now and see an opportunity to play a little bit of that middle player to help uh, a lot of the the rest of the industry transition to an electrified uh, transportation future. I want to touch a little bit on this is, you know, you're three and plus years now as the CEO of this company. Was this, and, and prior to that, I want, I want to say, and to, to your credit, you've you've been a very steady hand at this company. Prior to your tenure, it was a bit tumultuous. So uh, is this something that you have seen, and is this was this all part of your crafted strategy to uh, leverage this technology to become this middle player? Um, has this just been listening to the market for three years and and focusing on this? I guess my question for you is, how brilliant are you that you...
1: <laughs> it, 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 you know it, it, it's not that it's a brilliance we the company in the previous iteration of its of its business was active in China and we saw this this rapid rise of, of the EV industry over there and it, it is the most mature EV market still today. So initially what we were hoping to do was leverage the the big reputable OEMs over in China and bring their product or their technology over to the west because the West, wasn't where it is today. So this is late 2018, early 2019, just as I was coming in as CEO. Actually, something really interesting happened in in the last few years, which is geopolitically, it's become very difficult for you to try to bring in technologies and products from China. Not a good conversation to have right now. Investor community doesn't want to hear it, et cetera, et cetera. So what we did was we, we learned a tremendous amount about the commercial EV industry, while spending time in China and learning about, you know, what makes the the EV industry different, why, what type of transition is taking place. And one of the interesting things about the commercial side of it is it's directly, the learnings that we had were directly transferable to Europe and North America, okay, because it doesn't matter if you're in Beijing, Berlin, Germany, or Boston, Massachusetts, okay, if you're a commercial fleet operator, you have a cargo hold or a people hold, right, that you need to make money from and you need the vehicle to be on the road, lowest total cost of ownership, highest amount of uptime and, and on-road time there is. And that, that was what was really compelling to us. There wasn't a regional uh, differentiation between what the commercial fleet operator does. So we studied the commercial fleet operator. Then it became obvious to us, hey, you know, we're not gonna be able to bring this Chinese tech, this Chinese product, because geopolitically it's just getting more difficult. So what we then said is, okay, we're a public company. We have access to the capital markets. There was a lot of tailwinds from SPACs and others. We were one of the stocks that got, because we did have involvement in, in EV, got some attention. We used that to capitalize, and instead of bringing over Chinese tech, right, we already had a good understanding of what the compelling technologies were, what the compelling types of vehicles with margin were. We said, okay, maybe there's an opportunity here to use the public company as a vehicle to raise money and grow or acquire those technologies that we would have otherwise brought in from from the Far East. And so that's what we've done in the last couple of years, and that's been really compelling for us. And we did it around a really simple premise, four things. Got to have differentiated tech. Got to have some revenues, which means you've got product in the market. Got to have referenceable customers. And you've got to have a pipeline that our capital could help unlock. And so every company that we've bought, whether it's Wave, U.S. Hybrid, SelectTrack, or Energica, which is our latest acquisition, all of them had those four things. Check all those four boxes. They checked all those four boxes. And one of the most important things, and I've done about 20 years in startups prior to coming into Idenomics, is it's always your tech that is the foundation for your value. And so that's what we've done that's different than a lot of other folks. I think Robin mentioned in a a session earlier today, um, you know, most people's products are well-designed, but they're the sum of everybody else's parts okay? It's different at Idenomics. We own the underlying tech. And so that's what gets us into many interesting conversations. And that's why companies like Energica that had exceptional technology were very important for us to bring into the family.
0: Makes sense. And you talked a little bit about (coughs) other companies sort of putting together this jigsaw of parts to kind of create things as they're getting started in this space where Energica is, you know, pure. They, They created in the Italian Motor Valley, everything is performance and excellence. And it I think you mentioned Livia is a great CEO of Energica because she never let anything go to market without it being ready for market. Exactly. And yeah. curious your your thoughts with regard to the comparison you made earlier to Tesla and the, com- the comparison between Livia not letting anything go to market ahead of its time and Elon's sort of uh, shoot from the hip model that uh, that he's had over the years. A little yeah. bit of a wild card, but... We love him, and you know, he is who he is, but... Yeah, I
1: mean, it, it, it's a different... Uh, there's a different um, dilemma that, that uh, Livia had, as we mentioned in, you know, earlier today. When you grow a business, and your neighbors are Ducati, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, you have to go for perfection. You can't release product early to, to see what market sentiment is, because the prevailing you know, opinion around you is everybody does everything exceptionally well. So by being held to that standard... It did make her more conservative. But I think when anybody introduces a product of any kind, automobile or otherwise, the first iterations, you go for a good enough approach. Olivia was never afforded that at Energica because of where she grew the company, because she did it in Motor Valley. It had to be a thoroughbred from day one. And so she, it looks you know more conservative when you look back at it, but really it was reputational risk. She had no choice because you'll get laughed out of Motor Valley if you don't put out a compelling
0: product. You'll lose all your engineers to yeah. the competitors and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So you guys took a 20% ownership share in Energica a few years back. Now you are f- full ownership. Majority owner. Majority, We're in, okay. at 72%, we 72% are 72%, okay. Controlling ownership.
1: And, and this is a really important point though because it would have been very easy for Olivia and her family that had basically, um, you know, bankrolled the business except for a small IPO they did in Italy to have cashed out mm. and have Ideonomics write them a check. They didn't want to do it. And that's always an interesting conversation you have. So the, the ownership percentage that remains is the management and founders of Energica. We bought all of the other investors out, the public investors and some, and some other private investors that still, still owned an interest in the company, because they know that their value hasn't been unlocked yet. So it would have been better for us to, to own 100%, it would have been cleaner. But we didn't need to, to consolidate the revenues and, and everything else. We have the majority controller over 70%. Um, but just really, really tells you a lot about um, Livia and, and, and her team, that they wanted to roll their ownership because they know they haven't got the value out of the company yet.
0: Such an interesting point that uh, you know, owners having skin in the game is, is something that a lot of investors look for. Yep, um, and the fact that they wanted to keep some ownership share means that they see a long term value yep. above and beyond what you guys have paid them already for, uh, for this brand. So that that is pretty neat. What what milestones did did um, you know your your when your journey from the twenty percent to now? What did you see in that transition time from Livia, her team, the company that really convinced you guys to keep going forward?
1: The, the initial investment we put into them was so that they could um, increase their output.
0: They wanted to bring
1: in some automation and semi-automation equipment, a fairly modest uh, investment. We made about 10 million euros, about $13 million. Um, But What what they're able to do with that, what I saw is in automotive it's very easy to to write big checks and and, and buy everything. What I saw with them was a very interesting approach to how they deploy their capital. Um, Livia is looking for $5 of value out of every dollar she spends and she gets it. And what she's been able to achieve, um, um, and how I saw her allocate the capital in the business, and the multiplier it had, uh, was really compelling to us. And then as we got to know them more, they are very conservative in nature. It took a lot of arm wrestling to get them to to start to show us some of the future tech. And when we saw some of the future technology as well, we were blown away. We were like, this could be one of the most important companies in the EV industry. And so it was. in talking to Livia, she was getting very frustrated with supply chain, access to capital, all of the things that have got nothing to do with building a world-class range of motorbikes, which he's done. So I basically said to her, look, let's shake hands and let the public company take that headache away so you guys can do what you do best, which is just make exceptional high-performance motorbikes. And hey, at the same time, can we leverage that technology elsewhere within the group, within our ag tech tractors at SelectTrack, or, or wherever else it may be relevant, electric, And that was, the, that was the basis for what is now an educator inside. It's,
0: that's, I love, I love the, uh, the transition there and I love the, the way that the motorcycle is that tip of the iceberg that's creating so much of that underlying technology and uh, such a good testing ground that you guys can test it across multiple verticals, which is, which is really neat and, yep. and puts Ideanomics in kind of a unique position to be able to do that. Obviously, this is a technology you guys are going to leverage and sell, and uh, consult and help other uh, companies do that EV transition that that you know we need so badly. What what is your your kind of thought that you would you would lend to somebody who has concern over a lot of that IP being stolen, replicated, you know, that sort of thing? Do you have any concern over that? Is that something that, you know, we've seen theft of, of uh, IP in the past become a major issue for so many companies? Some people say Xpeng has just, you know, taken off so much of Teslas. And, you know, what what what's, what's in your state of mind with yeah, regard to that?
1: There's two ways to look at this. Um, one is, you know, IP, if somebody copies you, it's a form of flattery to some degree. Most of the businesses that we, we acquired in the last uh, uh, 18 months or so had not done a tremendous amount of ip development they'd been working under trade secrets or they'd done some really base level ip development and registration we've now got a robust program in place at all of our companies to do that but we're not doing that so we can go out and force that patents on the people i don't think that's a way that you know there's a saying a rising tide floats all boats you know, I don't think imposing your patents is, is, a, is a particularly uh, good way to develop a, an industry, particularly in the early stages, but we do want to protect it so that people don't take advantage of our IP in a way that, you know, is harmful to the organization. So we don't believe there's the, the, the risks. I think the easy way to say it is the risks are much less than what we think we can unlock in terms of value in the market by taking this approach and by letting our technology be used by others. IP theft is a concern. We do have excellent IP attorneys that are helping us develop the the portfolio to protect us. But I think the opportunity far outweighs the risks at this
0: point. Great. Uh, I I love that the name, too, kind of resonates with Intel inside. I'm I'm sure you guys have had this conversation internally. You know, obviously, Intel became the chip as opposed to the computer many years ago, and obviously helped facilitate the PC revolution on so many levels. Is this kind of how you guys see Energica inside sort of playing that? Yes. yes. Yeah, we want to be an enabling technology. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Makes sense. Makes total sense. The I you know, I love that the that the company has hit some milestones along the way and has obviously answered all your questions with that initial investment. Where do you see in 3 years if you were to, you know, look in your crystal ball? Where do you see the company itself Ideonomics, Energica, the Energica inside? What's your wild goal versus your more practical sort of sense of what's gonna, what this is going to look like in three years?
1: Yeah, it's interesting that in many ways the next three years are going to be way more compelling than the last three were. The last three was about understanding uh, what technologies out there, what investments to make, what businesses to grow organically, and making foundational investments for tomorrow. Now we're at the point where I think the, the commercial adoption curve is starting. Um, and we know because we're seeing how many of our vehicles or our systems are being tested by, you know, big buyers who previously weren't in the market. I think we we transformed dramatically. And I think, you know, this is where the rubber's going to meet the road. I expect to see a lot of consolidation in the industry. Mm. And I expect people who own the meaningful underlying technology to continue to perform well. And I think Ideanomics will be one of those companies. And, you know, unlocking revenue has been difficult for everybody in EV outside of passenger car. So the commercial EV space where we primarily play is now starting to come to life, and I think those revenues are what will ultimately be the indicator to the market that Idenomics is on the map and how important we are to the industry. And I can't wait; I'm impatient for that day to come. <laughs> so I think in three years' time, I think you see a company with, you know, particularly with Via um, coming in, they're making a, you know, a, a high-volume product. So. Um, I think you'll see a company with, with sizable revenues and a passion for technology, and, and I think you'll see us deriving revenue similar to what we're doing with an educator inside. I think you'll see us providing technology to other OEMs, new and incumbent, um, as well as selling our own products direct to market.
0: Awesome. That's really great. If you um you know obviously looking three years ahead, uh, nobody has the perfect crystal ball, but it it does appear that and, and I agree with you that there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the market for sure. I, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the, the company itself. You guys have an office in Ukraine, yes, and currently, as we you know, whenever people will be listening to this podcast, currently we're in that stage where uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine. there is a giant store of lithium inside ukraine there's, there's a lot of, um, it, it's a complicated story, of course, and uh, the, first off, your, your folks in Ukraine, is everybody safe? What, what are you guys yep. doing to, to um, just tell me, tell me about your operations there. And-
1: yeah, absolutely. So we have a software uh, team in the Ukraine. We, we brought them in through an acquisition when the company was in the media space in the past. You get tremendous cost efficiencies from having a team. In, in a country like Ukraine that's got incredibly well-educated uh, population. It's a small team, it's only about a dozen or so folks. They're part of our broader software development group that's run out of the UK. And thankfully, at least at this time, everybody is well. We're taking some steps with the UK to try and bring folks over. It's a difficult situation. No men between 18 and 60 are allowed to leave the country at this point. So we may be able to get the, the female staff out first. But everybody so far, considering that they were in Kiev and Zaitomir, which are two of the cities that have, have been in the middle of this, you know, this conflict, so far, everybody's good. We gave them no obligation to work. However, they're sitting in shelters a large part of the day and, and, and every night. So they've asked us to work. They need something to put their mind on. They need something on. to yeah, take the mind sure. off of what's yeah. going yeah. on, because there's a, obviously, it's not a fun time to and be the in the middle of war. And stressing. Yeah. 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 So they've been doing their work, which tells you a lot about people as a as a as a you know as a nation the ukrainians have always been very hardy hard working people and um you know i touch wood I, I hope that they'll continue everybody to be to be safe and well uh, we've certainly um used some of our relationships in the region to help move people around a little bit we've advanced them uh salaries in advance in cash because it's very difficult to get money out so yeah just helping them take care of, you know, day-to-day living. But it is very stressful for the for the folks over there, as you can probably understand. And I think you, you know, as you introduce this subject, you you hit the nail on the head. The Ukraine has some of the world's richest natural resources, not just lithium, but but many other many other types of natural resources as well. So, you know, whatever geopolitical reasons there are for for you know trying to um, cause a conflict in that part of the world you can you can be certain the economics are underlying it and 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 I agree with you that you know Ukraine is an attractive target for a, for another country because it, it does have so and it is underdeveloped as well
0: yeah and so so much of uh, the conflict revolves around the energy <laughs> ecosystem so it's it's such a fascinating space for uh, your company to be there and to also obviously be part of this electrification yep. of of everything that we need to see so Thank you for for continuing to work in that space. I, I thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Congratulations on all this. Uh, I'm excited beyond belief to ride the bike tomorrow. Uh, I get to ride it around with uh, I, I guess the chairman, yep. uh, uh, Shane. Tomorrow, it's going to going to be exciting, and uh, and I, and I just I, I love that the bikes are so beautiful. Uh, I love the passion of the Italian team. Uh, in this, and I and I love that 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 the electrification is so sexy with regard to um, you know things that are sustainable becoming more and more attractive to the general public. So keep up the good work, and and thanks for sharing with us today. Thank you. I hope you enjoy the ride tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix.